Hello and welcome to True to the Bible Podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks for joining us for our next lesson in this series on the book of Ephesians. Today we'll be starting chapter 3 and doing half of the chapter. We're going to be looking at Paul's rabbit trail. As he goes on to speak in chapter 3, he first wants to remind the church about the mystery age and his role in being the apostle to the Gentiles. So we're going to look at this rabbit trail that Paul goes on, and we're going to see some direct application for ourselves as we see that we are the church in this mystery age. Thanks again for joining us for True to the Bible Podcast. We hope that you enjoy this lesson. All right, Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to go through 13 verses this morning. As you guys know, we're doing an expository study on Ephesians. We've been in the theological part of the book. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 are theological, and then it gets really practical in 4, 5, and 6. So he's like setting the foundation of what he's going to talk about uh, in 4, 5, and 6. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. As far as PowerPoint goes, I made it this morning, so it's not very big or long. and doesn't have a lot of stuff in it, so sorry about that, but uh, we'll go on with it. So let's read. What's up, guys? Hello. <laughs> Did you guys go to room 111? Uh, So Ephesians chapter 3, we'll read the first 13 verses. So if you got your Bible, you can turn there. If not, there's Bibles over there. You can grab them when you come in next time. Or I can get one for you if you need one. Alright, so this is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. It says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of Gentiles, of you Gentiles, if indeed you've heard the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery I wrote in brief before. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. To be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel, of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which is given to me according to the working of His power. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ, and to bring into light what is the administration of mystery, for the ages have been hidden in God who created all things, that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confidence and access through faith in him. Therefore I ask you not to lose heart in my tribulation on your behalf, for it is for your glory. Let's pray. Dear God, we just come before you and thank you for this time that you've given to us. Thank you for all you've done for us. We just thank you for your love, God. Um, I just pray that you speak through me. It wouldn't be my words, but it would be yours. Um, we love you. And we just pray all this through Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so, does anybody know what a rabbit trail is? When we're talking about, like, teaching and stuff. Just a little you know, off the main thing. Yeah, a little tangent, a little off the main thing, right? Uh, so there's a lot of speakers, and sometimes they get on a lot of rabbit trails. So, like, uh, sometimes you'll go to a place, and there's this, this speaker, and his main point is that the color blue is good. And so his main point is that, and he'll be talking about it and talking about it, and then somehow he'll end up talking about why elephants drink so much water, you know, or why uh, rabbits run into a hole in a field, or whatever. They just start 
go in on all these tangents and all these things that don't really connect back to the point. A rabbit trail is an idiom, okay? So you guys know what an idiom is? Yeah. It's, it's kind of like it's not cross-cultural, right? So like a rabbit trail is like I went to Spain and, and they knew a little bit of English, but they didn't, they weren't from our culture. And I said a rabbit trail, that guy just went on a rabbit trail. They'd be like, he didn't go running on a rabbit trail, right? Because it doesn't make sense. It's, uh, it's not cross-culture in that way, but it represents something. It's like an illustration of something in here. Uh, Paul, he, uh, he gets on a rabbit trail. Okay, it's interesting. Because in verse 1, he says, For this reason I, Paul. Okay, then look at verse 14. If you scroll all the way down, or I scroll, you flip over, whatever. He says, For this reason. Okay, he says the same thing. Why does he say the same thing in 114? Well, it's because he actually gets on a, on a little rabbit trail. He says, For I, Paul, am a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. And then verse 2, he's like, I'm going to talk about something else, and I'm just going to make sure they understand this point a little bit. And he gets off on this rabbit trail. And this rabbit trail is all about the mystery age, which we've been talking about. It's all about uh, the church age, the, the age of grace, the dispensation of grace, if you will. Okay, that's what it's all about. And so uh, he gets on this tangent of talking about it. And the mystery age is something that we, don't, uh, we didn't understand in the Old Testament. God didn't tell us in the Old Testament about it. We didn't understand it, but now we do. Now it's been revealed to us. Okay, and when I think of this, I think of, uh, I'm going to see if this works here. Yeah, there we go. Have you guys ever seen it? Have you guys seen this video? No, girl. How's school? surprise I was I was in the office with Blake and he's like have you ever seen that video and I was like no and uh, apparently there's a lot of memes about that video mm -hmm. but uh, that little girl was so surprised because she had no idea what was coming um, and then her parents told her and in a similar but not exact same way Paul talks about how God had something in plan for us for the world uh, for the church that he didn't tell us until later on and sometimes, in my mind, so this is a question I want you guys to think about up on the screen. Sometimes in my mind, whether I actually say this or not, 
I think that I know more than God. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't say it. I would never say like, oh, I know more than God or anything like that. But like in my mind, I'm like, well, how could this, you know, be? Or what about this or this? And I'm or you know, God says to do this or act this way. But really, I know better. I, and we show that by our actions, right? So God says to live this way, and we live a different way. And by doing that, we think we we know more than God, right? Because we're like, well, this sin is better than what God is telling me to do. So my question to you is, do you, I, or do you know more than God? Do you think that you know more God? Or sometimes do you act like you know more than God? Because Paul gets on this tangent, and he talks about the mystery age, and then he talks about his part in it, his role in the the mystery age, the age of the Gentiles, or sorry, not the age of the Gentiles, the age of the church. And, uh, And it's pretty cool theological stuff, but I want us to be thinking, well, if God didn't tell Daniel this, Daniel was a pretty smart dude, right? And he was a holy, righteous man, right? And he got thrown in lines den and he was saved, right? All that stuff. But he didn't he didn't even have any idea about this. So what makes us think that we know more than God? Or we uh, even know all about God or all about his plans. Okay, so the first thing we're gonna look at is mystery age. And mystery age, as I said before, uh, verse one starts and then verse 14 picks it back up. Verses two through thirteen is that uh, that rabbit trail. So basically Paul's like for this reason, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Okay, Right now, Paul's actually a prisoner. He's actually in jail. But he says that, and he doesn't say, hey, I'm a prisoner of Rome. But he says, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus, meaning that he's in prison for Christ. He's giving glory to God there and saying that God is sovereign. I'm uh, in prison. And he says he's for the sake of you Gentiles. For the sake of the Gentiles is why he's in prison. And later on, we'll see as he keeps talking that he says that he is the apostle to the Gentiles. So he's in prison for them and for their glory. Okay, and then in verse 1, he says that, and then he's like, oh wait, let me say first before I keep going and tell you about this, let me say this. And this is when he begins to talk about um, his stewardship of God's grace, his stewardship of the gospel to the Gentiles and the mystery age. Look at it in verse 2. He says, And indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace which is given to me for you. Okay, so he's saying right here that he is the apostle to the Gentiles. What's up, boys and girls and girl? Grab a chair. We're gonna set enough out for you. Just gonna sit on the floor. You can sit on the floor. It's fine. If you like the floor better than the chair. No, you can't lose. Guys, we're in Ephesians chapter three. We're doing things different because. We have this room, so we can't be loud while they're going. So we have to do our lesson first and then hang out after. So anyway, in verse 2, if he says, If indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace which is given to me for you. The you there is the Gentiles, right? So Paul is saying, hey, um, I am the apostle to the Gentiles. I'm the apostle to the Gentiles. That's what he's saying. Uh, Peter, he was the apostle to the Jews, right? Uh, really, he was the main apostle. The church was built on Peter, right? Correct? And he stayed in like Jerusalem. Paul went out. He went out everywhere, right? He had all his missionary journeys. He went to Gentile nations and he preached the gospel. That's what he did. That's who he was. And so here in verse 2, he's saying that he uh, he is the steward okay, of the gospel to the Gentiles. And then verse 3 and 4, look at it. He says that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief. When did he write about this briefly before? Well, if you were here last week, you would have remembered that that's what we talked about was the mystery age and the church age. He wrote about it in chapter 2. So you can go back and you can look at chapter 2, the end of chapter 2, and you say, hey, 
here he's writing about it to this church at Ephesus already. So he said, hey, I already wrote it to you, okay, and you can talk about it, uh, you can know it, okay, but I wrote it to you in brief, and he's going to go kind of back over it. But that revelation was made known to me, the mystery age, that church age was made known to him. It wasn't known before. Known before. Okay, in verse 4, by referring to this, when you read that what he wrote about, you can understand the insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets uh, um, in the Spirit. So, this is Daniel. Okay, you guys know Daniel pretty well, uh, probably, or some of you guys do, but uh, Daniel prophesies about the future times. God comes to Daniel uh, in a vision, and he prophesies and says, hey, this is what's going to happen in the future, right? You guys all know that. Um, and so this is that prophecy. This is super popular. This is Daniel 9, 24 through 27. If you look at it, it says, 70 weeks have been declared for your people in your holy city to finish transgression and make an end to sin, make atonement for iniquity, to bring everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place so that you are able to know and discern from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, uh, there will be seven weeks and 30, uh, sorry, in 62 weeks, I said 30, and it will be built again uh, in the plaza of Mo and in times of distress. And then after 62 weeks, after that 62 weeks and seven, the Messiah will be cut off. Okay, and then he goes on, uh, and he talks about after that, the, the seven years that are left, the tribulation, so uh, basically here in Daniel, every week that he's talking about, okay, every week, each week is seven years, right? So he says there's going to be seven weeks and 62 weeks, that's 69 weeks, and then there's going to be seven more weeks. So there's 70 weeks, okay, 70 weeks total that he's talking about here. And those weeks, um, each week is seven years. Okay, so it says the Messiah is going to be cut off at 69 weeks, and that's from the time... Uh, that this decree goes out. So in 444 B.C., and I don't know if you guys know this, but in 444 B.C., there's a decree to go rebuild. And that's in uh, Nehemiah 2, 1 through 8. You can read that if you want. Uh, and that from that time, 483 Jewish years passed okay, until 33 A.D. What happened in 33 A.D.? Jesus died, right? So when the Messiah cuts off, that's Jesus dying on the cross. So there is exactly, if you count up the days and the Jewish years, there's exactly 483 Jewish years from 444 B.C. to 33 A.D. Okay? And as throughout that time, okay, that would add up to 69 weeks. Okay? So it all fits so far. Okay? But then uh, Daniel sees that there's seven years left. Okay? Um, and it talks about in verse 26 and 27, uh, mainly in 27, the, how the... Uh, false prophet, the beast, you know, the Antichrist, all that's going to come, and he's going to have this seven weeks of uh, judgment basically left. Well, that seven weeks hasn't happened yet. Okay, here's the deal. This is this is all coming to a point. Okay, this whole vision, Daniel never saw the church age. Right? Daniel never saw us in the picture. If Daniel were to lay it out, he would have just been like, well, hey. There's these 483 weeks. There's just 400, or sorry, 483 years, right? And then the Messiah's going to be cut off, and then there's seven more years, right there, right? There's seven more years, and that's tribulation. That's how he would have seen it. That's how he would have seen the end times, right? Because this church age was a mystery, and that's what Paul is saying right here. He's saying in the generations past, nobody knew that this church age was coming. 
Nobody knew that this church age was coming, but it has been made known in verse 5. It's been revealed to his apostles okay, and his prophets. So Paul is the one that's taking this news to the Gentiles okay, who are a big part of this mystery age, right? A big part of the church age Gentiles are, um, as we talked about last week. Okay, and then in verse 6 he says, To be specific, that Gentiles are fellow heirs, um, fellow members of one body, and fellow partakers in the promise. Okay, this is specifically, so he says, hey, specifically, the church, their heirs. What did chapter 1 say? Anybody remember? It's a long time ago. But when we were going through chapter 1, it said that the church, the body of Christ, one of the blessings was that we were heirs. Okay, we were sons, adopted as sons. Um, it also said that we uh, had an inheritance, our home in heaven. We talked about that. Okay, so we are heirs. We're a member. We're joined together with the Jews. That's what he just got done talking about. So we're fellow heirs and we're fellow members, Jews and Gentiles together to make up one body. Who's the leader of that body? We talked about it several weeks ago, but it's a pretty obvious answer. Jesus, Jesus right? Jesus is the head of the body, right? He's the head of the body. The body is us. We make up the body. We're the parts uh, of the body, and Jesus is the head. He's the head of the body. Okay, And so we are now fellows in that, and we're fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Where did salvation come from? Who did salvation come from? Jesus Christ. Jesus. And who did He come from? God the Father. God the Father. Okay. But what people did He come from? Jews. The Jews. Right? So salvation came through the Jews. Salvation is from the Jews. Okay. Who was given the salvation message first? Like who was given that message to proclaim to the rest of the world? The Jews. The Jews in the Old Testament. Right? Um, and well, especially from Abraham, because that's when Jews started from Abraham on. Okay, now who is okay? That's the promise of Christ Jesus, the promise of the coming Messiah that was all given to Israel. Okay, now who is that given to? The church. The church. Okay, Jews and Gentiles joined together. Uh, as we said last week and every week, Jew, the church is not taking the place of Israel or anything like that. But we have a unique opportunity right now because the church is are the ambassadors. We are the ambassadors for Christ. Jews and Gentiles together. We come together to make this body. So now we are fellow partakers in the promise of uh, Jesus Christ through the gospel. Okay, And so that's what he's talking about when he's talking about the mystery age. Okay? That's Paul talking about the mystery age. Now, Paul talks a little bit about his ministry. And he talks a little bit about his ministry. This is verses 7 through the end of where we're going, verse 13. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this, uh, but we're gonna, we are going to look at his ministry because he does uh, before next week, which we'll get into his um, his actual main point. Remember, this is all just a rabbit trail for him. Okay, this is, these thirteen verses are just a rabbit trail for him. So let's look at verse seven, of which I was made a minister. Okay, so what was he a minister of? The gospel. Okay, the gospel. So he's a minister of the gospel according to the gift. Of God's grace, which is given to me according to the working of His power. Okay, to me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ, and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery, uh, which in ages past has been hidden, who God uh, in God who created all things. Okay, so I really like this uh, verse eight because. Three weeks ago, or whenever it was, when we went over the first part of chapter 2, we talked about this. Okay, Paul here, he says, To me, the very least of all saints, grace was given. You guys remember what we talked about in Ephesians 2.1? We talked about how um, 
we're all dead in our trespasses and sins, and how Paul talked about, or how Paul used that to show God's grace. And we talked about how in our own lives we can see our sin, and we should see our sin. We should look, recognize our sin and see it, but only to the point where it brings us back to God's grace. Well, look what Paul does. He's practicing what he preaches right here. Okay, in verse 8, he says, To me, the very least of all saints, grace was given. Okay, who knows uh, Paul's background? Caitlin? Isn't he from Rome? Well, he is a Roman citizen. He's not from Rome. Yeah, Simeon. He was one of the Pharisees, and he condemned a lot of people to, a lot of people who followed Jesus to death. Yeah, he was a Jew of all Jews, a Pharisee of all Pharisees, who condemned a lot of people. He actually was seeking out people to kill them, seeking out Christians to kill them, right? That's Paul's story. That's his background. So he comes from that, and he says, To me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given. He also, in other places, calls himself the least of the apostles. Okay, the least of the saints, the least of the apostles. He remembers his sin. Okay, he remembers his sin. And sometimes for us, we're like, well, we shouldn't remember our sin. Okay, we shouldn't remember our sin. We don't want to think about our sin. We don't want to do that. God's covered it. Uh, Jesus covered it. He's paid for it, which is all true. Okay, but we do need to remember our sin sometimes because look at what it does for Paul. And this is exactly what we said a couple weeks ago that we need to do in our lives. To me, the very this is verse eight. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. Okay, so where exactly he thinks about his sin, he remembers his sin, where he came from, and where does that point him? To the grace of God. Okay, and the same thing should go for us. We are all sinners. Every single one of us sins, right? You guys can probably think in your head right now of some sins that you committed yesterday or maybe this morning or whatever. Okay, and the sin is ugly. You know, we talked about that at senior camp. Sin is ugly and it's terrible and it's horrible. And God hates it. But God, right? But God gives grace. And so when we realize how ugly our sin is, we can really see how beautiful God's grace is. And that's what Paul is doing right here. He told them earlier in chapter 2 that they should be doing that, and now he's doing it himself. He says, hey, I'm the worst of all sinners, but God's grace was given to me, and I'm able to preach the gospel. Would you guys look back on Paul and say that he was one of the greatest apostles of all time, one of the greatest preachers of all time? Yeah, right? Most people would. He wrote 13 books of the Bible. He shared the gospel in a ton of new countries. And where did he come from? All that sin, right? So we can see the grace of God in this. And I love it. I love that he never forgets his past failure, but he always lets that past failure point him straight to God's awesome grace. Okay? So he says that in verse 8 and 9. Look at verse 10. He says, So that the manifold wisdom of God might be now made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This is a weird verse. Okay, Paul is very deep sometimes. Uh, this is strange, but it's kind of cool because the wisdom of God through the church is actually seen by angels, angels and demons. Okay, it says, so the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church, the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. Uh, elsewhere in the scripture, it says that the angels long to look into the things of man. God doesn't tell angels everything. Angels aren't all-knowing. I don't know if you guys know that, but angels aren't all-knowing. Nobody's all-knowing but God. Right? So they don't, even, they don't know everything that God's going to do or will do. And so it says here that the church, okay, this uh, grace age, is actually a picture for them. It shows them God's grace. So it actually, us, 
are, are the body of Christ, we actually show the angels God's grace. It's like a, like a trophy to show uh, even angels and demons that God is full of grace and love, which is pretty cool when you think about it. Like, it's pretty cool. It's, it's kind of weird and interesting to think about, but it's really cool that we get to, not we specifically, but the church gets to show uh, even the angels and demons stuff about God and who God is. Okay, And then in verse 11, this was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, the gospel, in whom we have boldness, okay, we have boldness and confidence in uh, Jesus Christ and access through faith in him. Why do we have access to God through Jesus Christ? Who is our mediator? Jesus. Jesus is our mediator. We have access to the Father through him because he died and he rose again. And now uh, we have access to the Father uh, through him. Therefore, I ask you not to lose heart my tribulations on your behalf, for they are your. Uh, glory. Okay, these tribulations, okay, what tribulations could he be talking about, Paul? Being in prison. Yeah, probably being in prison, because that's where he's at right now. So he's probably saying, the tribulation that I'm in right now, he had a lot of tribulations, he had a lot of heartache, uh, but the tribulation he's in right now, he's saying, they're, they're for your glory, you Gentiles' glory. Okay, um, so why, this is my question, why does Paul go through and just share his ministry? Why does Paul go through and share with this church the ministry that he has to the Gentiles. Well, there's a couple reasons I think that he could. Okay, one could possibly be his authority. His authority. Um, his authority was given to him by who? Jesus Christ. It was given to Jesus through Jesus Christ. And um, you know, there's there's a big difference in an apostle and a disciple. Haley and uh, Kaylee and me and Scott were actually Haley and Kaylee were talking about it in text via text. Me and Scott didn't really chime in. Uh, but the difference, the biggest difference in a disciple and an apostle is apostles got their authority directly from Jesus Christ. Okay, apostles get their authority directly from Jesus Christ. So did Peter get his authority from Jesus Christ? Yeah, right? Did James and John get their authority directly from Jesus Christ? Right, those are apostles. Okay, what about Paul? When did he get his direct authority from Jesus Christ? On the road to Damascus. Jesus showed up there um, and and gave him that authority on the road to Damascus. So he has gotten authority directly from Jesus Christ to be an apostle. Um, and, yeah, so he is an apostle of Jesus Christ. So uh, he could be showing his authority here. Hey, my authority comes from God to teach you these things. Um, I don't think that's what he's doing. He does that in other books because some of the other churches uh, were not really that faithful of churches. They are kind of all over the place, but Ephesians, the church at Ephesus seems to be a faithful church as we talked about in week one. I think there's another reason. I think it's because he's showing the grace of God and using a broken vessel. Okay, was Paul a broken vessel? For sure, right? He was a broken vessel. Okay? He was a terrible guy. Okay? But he's showing that God used him anyway. And if you look throughout Ephesians, what we've already been talking about, that's a theme. Okay, the theme is that God uses stuff that we don't think He should use. The Gentiles. Did the Jews think that God should use the Gentiles? No, probably about it. They, he, they did not want Him to use the, the, the Gentiles. They didn't want Him to come to the Gentiles. Okay. Um, now, obviously, some of the study, like, like Simeon um, and Anna, and some of those people, we see them come um, on the scene, and they've actually studied the Scripture, and they know that, I think, that they know that Jesus is coming for everyone as a Messiah and stuff like that. But most Jews they didn't they they called the Gentiles dogs. They didn't they don't want any part of the Gentiles. Okay? And Paul through this book is saying, hey, 
God's using the Gentiles, not just the Jews. He's using broken vessels. He says, "I, you, he's using me. I'm a broken vessel, guys." And Paul and Paul says, "God's using me." You know, and I think that's why he's sharing part of this ministry is because a big part of his thing is, "Hey, this mystery age is here. The church is here, and this church at Ephesus is having a hard time uh, joining together. They're having a hard time. Jews and Gentiles." are having a hard time becoming unified in one body at the church of Ephesus. And so he's like, hey, God uses all broken vessels. Okay? He uses broken people. And he can use us too, which is really cool. Okay? Uh, but I think that's why Paul is going into this. Um, I think it's a huge theme in, in here. And he also, if you think about chapter 2 too, what does he start off with? For you are dead in trespasses sins, in which you once walked, you formerly walked in the ways of the world. Right, carrying out the desires of the flesh, desires and lusts of the flesh. And then he says, goes on to say, you've been saved by grace. And then he goes on in chapter 2 to say, God's using the church, you guys, you broken vessels. So it's, it's a theme throughout these first three, uh, for sure. So uh, I think that's why he's sharing his ministry, because he says, hey, God can use broken vessels. God can use broken vessels. So to sum it all up, what's the impact? Um, I don't have an impact slide this morning, so just write it down. Uh, but what's the impact that we see here? Well, I think one big key for me is that we don't know everything. Okay, we don't know everything, and a lot of times we think we do. And especially for us, like we have the scripture, right? We have God's word, right? So we can study and we can know all about God. But we still can't know everything about God. Like we still can't know everything about God. Like Daniel got a vision from God, and he still didn't comprehend it all. And he probably didn't even comprehend all of what God told him, let alone the stuff that God didn't tell him. Right? And so we don't know everything. We need to remember that and remember that God does know everything. Okay, God is all-powerful, all-knowing. We're never going to be that. Angels aren't even all-knowing. Right? We talked about that earlier. But God is, and so we can trust Him. Okay, We can trust Him. Um, he's all-knowing, all-wise. And this mystery age that was revealed uh, to us, it wasn't even revealed to Daniel. And so there's stuff that we might not even understand or know. There is stuff that we don't understand and know. And that's okay. Right? We just got to trust God because we know who he is. Does that make sense to you guys? And then also be thinking about just the theme through this. Okay? I mean, God uses Paul, who's a terrible person. Okay, honestly. Like he's a terrible person. Like he's a murderer, right? And so he uses Paul. He uses the church in the church age, the Gentiles. Okay? Those the dogs, us. Okay? And he uses sinners, Ephesians 2.1. He uses those people who are dead in their trespasses. Sins. He uses all of us. And so that's a really cool, I think, for us um, to remember and to see, hey, I am a sinner. I am a terrible person. But you know what? God still uses me and God still gives me grace. He still died and paid for all my sins. Does that make sense to you guys? That's another thing we can be thinking about this week and application-wise is just like, hey, God can use me. So what should I be doing? How should I be being used? Because as we're going to see, okay, we've got this little section left in chapter 3. Then chapter 4, Paul comes on strong and says, Hey, you guys need to be in the church that we've been talking about. You guys need to be in the church using your gifts, talents, and abilities to serve Jesus Christ. Okay, And so that's where he's going with all of this. Is that you need to be serving in the church through love. That's where he's going. So we can even take application right now and say, Hey, if God's going to use a broken vessel, I'm a broken vessel. How can I be serving? How can I be serving in the church? How can I be serving other people? How can I be serving my family? Those are things we should be thinking about, okay? Everybody got that? Thumbs up.
Thanks again for joining us for True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. If you enjoyed this lesson, make sure you subscribe so you can hear the rest of the lessons on True to the Bible podcast. And if you have any questions regarding this lesson or any of the other lessons, make sure you contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Thanks again for joining us. 